0: That's everylife.com, and don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy.
0: It's great to be back. Back at... Q and A. We got some Ooh. really great questions this week.
1: Q and A Friday. Q and A Friday. Yep, it's one of our favorite days.
0: It is. And our first question, Sean, is what is your best parenting advice? And that's a that's a loaded question, but one we like to talk about because we always say that the best part about having nine kids over the span of twenty years, yeah, is that you get a lot of do overs. So what we 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 talked wrong, about this a little bit before, right? You do things wrong. You do things right. And what you would have given as advice in year five of having kids is not the same as the advice you would have you would give right now. After having a twenty-three-year-old,
1: so I'm not going to go into social media and kids. I'm not going to go into we, when you give your child a phone because
0: we those are sort of like we've things we've those. already talked yes.
1: about. Uh, okay. What what schools you send your kids to, or what university options you give your kids? Classical, if you're gonna help, classical, I, classical. Yes. Yeah. Um. I, so it, I, I'm going to have a different answer for this, and I think it some some the answer can change based on the pressures that your kids come come into in the society in which they live, and so. I look at all the, the 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 gender confusion that society is trying to push toward my kids, whether it's not in our school, but in a lot of schools, but on social media, even on television shows, even kids shows. Disney tries to push. This. Oh, yeah. And so I think w- what we have to do is really let our boys be boys and our girls be girls. So, I mean, whether boys are climbing trees and wrestling and playing with G.I. Joe's and they're fighting and and uh, making
0: swords out of branches and
1: hundred <laughs> percent. Like there's there is there is an element of boys, especially in the summer when they have this freedom. Encourage those boys to actually lean into that little boyhood and be boys. And girls, whether it's you know, in our house they still sword fight and they'll still might climb trees. be a little wrestle and climb trees. That's true. But don't be afraid to let them play Wait. dress up and play with their Barbies and their dolls and. You know, don't be afraid to let your child lean into the gender that they are. And I think, again, that or actually helps.
0: encourage them to lean into their yes. gender. Sean, it's funny because the other day we so we live on a piece of property where you can walk from our backyard down to a creek or a, a little river
1: down a steep hill. Yes, Completely down a steep, steep hill. hill.
0: So dangerous. they can go down there, but they always have to tell me. So I kind of have an idea of if they're not back in time, I might go look for them. Um so anyway, Margarita and Patrick. So Patrick
1: Nine and Seven. Yeah,
0: nine and seven. Um decide to go for a walk down to the creek together and, and they spent a lot of time down there. Uh and then they came back. And as they came back, kind of a little bit dirty, uh both of them, it was interesting to see what they naturally on their own, no adults were with them. They're just on their own exploring the woods in the back down towards the creek. And Patrick came back with sticks and things that looked like weapons. Yes. And Mar- Margarita had taken with her, apparently, a little box, um, a little jewelry box, interestingly. Yes. And inside the box, she had collected um, a little mushroom, which, by the way, oddly had like some bugs growing around it. And like a little flower, a rock. Um, so, I mean, it just it was interesting just what naturally they gravitated towards. And this summer, you know, because one of the things and it's its also one of the things we think that parents should do. This is going to be one of our other. So if you don't mind, I'm going to meld it a little bit into here is we believe in not overscheduling kids. Yes, and we are firm believers, especially in the summer. We don't want to put them in anything, no camps, no anything. We want them to just, you know, really just have an un- un- unencumbered, imaginative, self-directed play. Right. And one of the things that Margarita, again, on her own, no direction. Um, nobody told her to do this. She just on her own created. She made a little book for herself and she started drawing like dresses. It's like a fashion design book. And yeah,
1: so people were not in the dresses. It was just the dress. Itself. Yeah, she's it's like, just was. like
0: you would see a, a fashion designer sketching yes. their designs. She sketched party dresses. What 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 an uh, outfits to wear to the pool outfits to wear to a wedding. They included like little pictures of the shoes that you could put the jewelry, just like you would see a fashion designer do. And she she created these very elaborate books. And she's been asking me over the last you know year about sewing, which I don't know how to sew a button, um, right. which is terrible because my mother is an amazing sewer and all, I, has always wanted me to know how to sew. And as an adult, I've really regretted not having learned how to sew. And so I found out through a neighbor about a program to learn teach kids to sew. And I'm actually now, after she did this thing, I'm going to, you know, this fashion design book, I'm going to put her in a class on the weekends to learn how to sew. But again, it, a lot of feminists would say, why aren't you putting patrick in there too and the truth is patrick doesn't want to learn to so it would be like chinese torture to put patrick in there who's a
1: seven-year-old little boy i mean (laughs)
0: doesn't want to do that but but i think he wants to play hockey
1: we talk about kind of what we do for the for the summer and again it's unadulterated you know child-led play and again there's something great about america because there's this creativity that comes from it this We get innovators and creators in this country that think outside the box, and I think a lot of that comes back to how they were creative in their play when they were little. Um, I think there probably could be more structured (laughs) things that we do for the kids. We probably fall on the other side of the extreme of going. They're they're not really in anything. And they are they're they're playing and they're making a play and finding neighbors and they're bored. Then they creatively find a way to entertain themselves. They
0: create forts and, in the back. Yeah,
1: and, and I think they that, did do
0: a little horse camp in the beginning they of did, the summer. They did do a horse did, camp because we want to introduce them to some horses.
1: But when kids can only know how to play when parents are structuring their play, that's a problem. Yeah, Kids need to lo- learn how to find neighbors and be creative and figure out what's going to entertain them. And ours are definitely doing that. By the I way, think... back in the 80s, I did that as well. I explored. <laughs> you were on your bike hawks. all
0: day, weren't you?
1: I was hunting for squirrels and on my bikes, cops and robbers. Like we did the whole thing and there was no parental um, control over what we were it's doing. It's just like be hole
0: before dark for dinner. That's
1: right. Or come and,
0: home and get your lunch, and then go back out.
1: That's right. And then
0: I remember my parents saying, my I remember my mom saying, "The house is clean. Get out." <laughs> you know? all, all the kids outside of the house. Um, and, and that was sort of how we were raised in the '70s and the '80s, I remember and it was normal. so
1: dirty, like I'd be so dirty. like they'd throw me in the in the bathwater. I remember, the bathwater getting so dirty because we'd played so hard and we were just filthy. <laughs> Um, which is great. Didn't you, and that's that's how, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a that's how you know that you had fun that day is how dirty you were. <laughs>
0: well, and that's how they are. Not just here, but when we take them to the cabin, and there really is nothing to do but play beyond the yeah. lake and play all day. I remember last year, uh, after Evita's wedding, you went for two weeks with the kids, um, out to the cabin before I was able to get yeah. out there because I had to go to work. So the wedding happened. I think. Two Days after the wedding, yeah, you I, I, loaded I, up the car.
1: I worked from the cabin, Rachel couldn't just you know, I was working myself just to... well, you were doing stuff <laughs> from the
0: cabin, but yeah, n- not as much work as I was probably to But anyway, you went out to the cabin with the kids, and um, at I came back two weeks after to the cabin and I saw how you know, kind of a little bit smelly Patrick's hair was. I mean, he didn't look dirty because he's also getting in the lake, right? But anyway, I asked him. I said, when, cause you know, he's been with dad for two weeks. Oh, and I said, so when's the last time you took a bath? And he said, the wedding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the wedding. They, they get in the water. And by the way, he, he, he gets really dark in the sun. So you can't tell whether it's dark or change. So That's the benefit.
0: You get that dark, beautiful, caramelly, Mexican tan.
1: That's um, right. What else? What are any other recommendations okay, so you have, I, Rachel?
0: I would say I, lavish your kids with affection. Um, I'm super affectionate with the with the kids, and I'm always kissing and hugging them. But I think it's really important um, that they always know that they're loved. And I think there's no you can tell your kids you love them, but you also have to show them mm-hmm. you love them. And I think that's that's really important. Um, the other thing we talked about before this was we're not your child's friend. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm not, and so sometimes especially as they get older and a little savvier, a little more manipulative, they will try to, as you try and direct them or tell them they can't do something or correct them, it'll, they'll try and manipulate it into your, like, turn it back on you and like make, try and make you feel guilty because you're not nice mom all the time. And for me, it's like, I'm not your friend. I'm your mom. I want to, us to have a good relationship and like each other um but we're not in the equals end, we're not equals i'm your mom I'm you're your, my child yeah exactly and i think a lot of the problems that we see in parenting and in and it ends up bleeding into culture are parents who want to be friends with their kids so much so that other things um fall by the wayside
1: but listen I, that's that's hard because you do want to be friends with your child right and you do want to be their parent as well i don't think the kids can Blur those lines, either your friends or you're a parent. But when you're one day or one moment a friend and the next day a parent, they have a hard time distinguishing between the two. And so I think either you got to pick one or the other, especially when they're those late teens, early 20 years. And it's hard. I we've had this conversation ourselves. Like we're not, we are not their friends. They might get angry at us. They might be annoyed at us. But the bottom line is it's our job to be their parents. And if they don't like us sometimes with some of the things we're telling them. That's the role I, of being a parent. It's not that they have, have to, to be love me okay with
0: that. Yes. Right. You have to be okay with the fact that they don't, they are not always going to love you and they will and it's not that always, guilt to, yeah. and by the way, if it's you not raise, always
1: easy too, it's, it's hard. No, no it's hard.
0: It's, it's really hard. And if you raise them right and not try to be their friend too young, they'll turn into good people that you actually want to be friends with when they're adults. Right. That's my, that's my, that's my uh, theory on that. Um, Sean and I we're both big on chores. We think chores make kids better.
1: Well, and and for us, we do think it makes them better, but in a house like ours, it doesn't operate unless they have chores, right? So we're kind of forced into that one. But if you look at studies, kids who have chores are better workers, they're better roommates, they're better spouses.
0: They whine less. They've literally done whining studies and they've shown that children who are given consistent chores whine less. I mean, that alone should make you want to give your kids chores because there's nothing
1: worse than a whining. Sometimes, up. like, listen, clean your room, clean the bath clean bathrooms, um, clean the kitchen, unload dishwashers, load dishwashers up. I mean, it's not like they're out, you know, shoveling, you know, a ditch in the back of the house. They're, listen, they're there are
0: African children now because of our stupid. Ass climate policies or in Africa, you know, nine years old, digging Mining mines for uh, cobalt, or cobalt um, right. uh, which should be should make all of us feel shame. So that's that's child labor. Emptying the dishwasher, cleaning your room, give me a break. Um, all of us had to do that. I remember clean when the cars. I cars. Yeah, clean the car. Like, why do I have to take it to get detailed? Like, you drive my car. Usually it's messed up because of them. You're going to clean the car. Go
1: pick it up. That's right. And so, uh, but I do think, and again, I talked about this earlier, but you had an experience a couple of weeks ago where you told Patrick at seven and Margarita at nine to unload the dishwasher. And I was kind of shocked by that. I'm like, they can't unload the dishwasher. But sure enough, of course they can. And they put some of the stuff in away in the wrong places. So you have to correct them. That's how they learn is they actually have to start to, 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 to do it. And again, a a house our size, you know, with all these kids, you can't, you can't make it work unless everybody, if i
0: if I had to do everything, forget it. Um, but, uh, and the other thing is related to that is at, at a certain age you need to get a job. And so, um, we had an experience this summer where our son was said he was out, he had applied for jobs. And he's kind of was sitting around the house waiting for these employers to call him. And I was like, what? Like you're, you haven't gone in just to, to meet. And he's like, mom, you don't know how it is. You don't understand. You're, you're, you're 50. That's not how it's done. Now. That's not how it's done. Now you, you do it online. The employers don't want you. And we kind of had this debate back and forth over a couple of days where I'm seeing him sitting around and you know, he's not working. And finally I kicked him out of the house. <laughs> I yeah. said, get out. I'm like, you can drive, get in the car. Don't come back without a job. And then I called Sean because he was at work at that point. And I said, I don't know if I did the right thing, but I got so frustrated with him sitting around here telling me he'd applied online and telling me he can't find a job and nobody wants to hire him that I kicked him out of the house and told him not to come home to got a job. And then later that day he came home and he, he, he actually was, he left, Super mad at me, like really angry at me. And he came home really proud of himself. He had found a job. He had found a job at a at a pizza joint. The first place he went to said, no, we don't have a job. Then he got in his car and he called, which was his excuse to see, mom, you had to call. Um, He called them and they said, come on down.
1: And he was like two blocks away, so he, he pulled right in away. and went in. Uh-huh. And so now he works at a pizza place where he takes orders, uh like makes the boxes for the pizzas, fills up the the soda, you know, cooler that people come in and buy, and then he delivers pizza. Um, and it was interesting is he, you know, he's he's making money. He makes what, like a maybe a hundred to hundred and forty dollars a day when he goes in and works with tips. And um he is so proud of himself yeah, he's super and proud. his little bank account is growing and he's really kind of, he's, I shouldn't say cheap, but he's really good with his money. He doesn't waste his, and he doesn't waste his
0: money. He doesn't, that's
1: right. And so he, he starts to accumulate this money and he is wildly proud of himself of how much money he over the course it. of, you know, what, uh, a before, few months. before we went to the cabin, he started and then we he went to the a, cabin he took and a, like, two weeks, two yep. weeks
0: off to go to the cabin. And then he went back to work and yeah, he's accumulated this money. He's super proud of himself he can say that he got the job on his own because he certainly did. And I think all of that builds self-esteem in a meaningful way, as opposed to just like, you're awesome. And you know, they're not doing anything awesome. Um, he was sitting around the house and he was, so anyway, I, I, I was, it was one of those moments where I did something. I questioned whether I was too harsh. And then I realized It it was the right thing to do at that time. And again, I'm not his friend. Um, If I was being his friend in that moment, I would have coddled him.
1: So can I, you don't know this, but last night he, I, I, I saw him last night and he came and was telling me about how I work. Sometimes it gets boring because there's no one calling in. All the boxes are made and, the, you know, it's not delivering pizza. So he said, well, just wait there. And he started listening to a podcast on uh, he listened to you know on he's
0: doing one on japanese history right
1: japanese history yes and he's like yeah
0: he told me he's, about so that so
1: excited about you know how they how they became such fierce warriors and samurais and the honor and they'd rather die than be captured and so he's like really into it but he's he the time he spends there he's actually using well i'm proud of him yeah. for picking the right yeah, kind of podcast to anything. listen to
0: by the way that brings me to another of my parenting tips i know we we said we weren't going to talk about phones but we never allowed our children to have gaming devices as kids in the house. So we never had a Nintendo in our house ever. Um an Xbox. An Xbox that has never existed in our house and I think that that has been one of the best decisions that we made.
1: And as a as a as a 50-year-old um, young boy sometimes I've actually been like well maybe we should get an, uh, an Xbox and we might want to play some games and JP has kind of asked a couple times to do that and you've been like no we're not going to do it and I, we, neither JP or I have objected but that's interesting because
0: sure he plays when he goes to other people's yeah, he, houses and he,
1: and he right? does but, but he, he's not consumed in time here he's not a big gamer
0: no and, and neither is Patrick and I think that's why Patrick will go into the woods instead of sitting on a, yeah. on a, on a Playstation we'll have more of this conversation That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Okay. um, This one was uh, really one that you brought up when we were having this discussion about how we were going to answer this viewer or listener's questions. You said it's your job to civilize your kids. I totally agree. They do come into the world uncivilized. Let's be honest.
1: Well, they they do. And so sometimes you see, you go to, you're on an airplane or you're in a restaurant and you see kids that are poorly behaved.
0: And there's a lot of talk right now online. There's a lot of articles like about people taking video of, you know, in a restaurant or on a plane of really misbehaved kids and then sort of putting it out there for the public to go. What do you think of this? How, what should happen? Should we ban children from restaurants? Um, You know, should restaurants, you know. Whatever you get, which by the
1: way, shame on someone for filming a family that you have misbehaving kids. I'm sorry. Um, That is that's cruel. That's mean. They shouldn't do it. Right. But you can't not train your kids to behave well at home and then go to a restaurant or go on a plane and think they're going to behave well. You've never trained them how to behave well. So to sit at a table, to put a napkin on their lap to use their silverware to place play, say please and thank you to
0: pray before their meal
1: pray before the meal that's right i mean you show them how to behave in public by how they behave at home yeah. and um sometimes it, when, it, listen it can get it can get crazy in schedules and you know everyone might eat in shifts sometimes that can happen in our house and we
0: try to sit around the table we try to sit around as the, as the table
1: that's right and but also if if kids aren't behaving well we let them know and correct them and so when we go out not always, but normally they're pretty well behaved.
0: Yeah. Or we'll say, you know, if, if they're around the table and sometimes Patrick will try to bring toys and I'm like, sorry, we don't play with our toys at the table. You need to go put your toy down and then come sit at the table. Or if he gets rambunctious, I mean, he's probably the one The the at this stage of his life. It's the hardest for him to kind of sit still and eat, but he has to do it. And by the way, they also learn to sit still and, and kids need to learn that in church. Church is this, one, you know, there's all kinds of spiritual benefits. But it also is a time to let children know that they can't there's this, you know, we always talk about deferred gratification, like, for example, JP working and saving and saving. I mean, this is and by the way, one of the keys to happiness when they do happiness studies, children and adults is learning deferred gratification. It's so important for happiness because people who can't learn and be disciplined in that way. Um, never really get achievement because you have to defer gratification in order to, uh, you know, achieve something. You Which a
1: to- thirteen year old has to work on. She gets five dollars and it burns a hole in her pocket. and She wants to spend it right away. We get this, we're working on that with that one. Okay, but-, but
0: back to the table and back to church. Part of that also is this understanding that there are points in time where you have to stay still, and 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 then after church you can run around, but you're going to stay still, and that's part of the discipline. A, a, like a almost like a a physical discipline that you have control over your body just because you're seven doesn't mean that you can just lay on the pew and not follow the instructions of what you have to do in church
1: okay, so and here's what's not discipline. If you say I've disciplined my child and so I give that that discipline means I give them an iPad and I have them play games or watch movies on the iPad at dinner when we're out or on the on the airplane. Well, the airplane's a little bit different, I think, because they're traveling and airplane's
0: hard. Yeah, you got or
1: it. or at you, church, you just
0: got to do what you can. Yeah, to, you get to can't, do that.
1: But but I'm I'm a firm believer that listen, th- th- isn't there's times that you might go yes, we're going to give him an iPad, or we're going to give him a phone to play a game on it, but but. But the baseline should be they don't have an iPad at dinner. They don't have it at when we go out to eat at the restaurant, at the restaurant. They can sit there and be a little human being. Um, that can, they can talk. They can talk. They can engage, might even play with, you know, their napkins and the salt packets, maybe some of that. But take the iPad I, I away. And I see too many parents relying on trying to just entertain them instead of train them.
0: Yeah, I think I, I mean, I would say, I'd say those those are, are our top tips. I mean, we probably could elaborate more than that. Um
1: if we do this again some other time, we'll come up with a whole bunch of new I'll tips. That's up, what we have with, right now. These
0: were the ones we sort of, we had coffee this morning and kind of talked, talked over those. Um, and and by the way, some of these, as you can tell are affected by real life things we're dealing with now as parents. But I, yeah. I do, I, I will say this, um, the beauty of having a big family and the beauty of having, you know, kids over the span of 20 years is that um you do get these do overs, and you get a chance to to be a little better. And, and the, the one thing I was going to bring up too, Sean,
1: we, we we we've done it wrong.
0: Yeah, we've but done we it wrong right. before. Hundred I mean, percent, we're correcting. Uh, there's a lot of things we do different. We've made lifestyle changes, um, yeah. around things that we think we weren't doing right, and the and and lack of balance. Because by the
1: way who who unless you have your, your parents living with you who knows how to rear a child you've never right. done it before you make a ton of mistakes you get better at it with time though it's get a little training you a little know, practice. Sean,
0: it, that's such an interesting point you bring up because we actually get the benefit of having my parents live with us for chunks of time throughout um the year so they'll come in for a few months at a time and live with us and they get to observe what we do and I and they can compare it to what they did, and and some things I I can tell they think I do better, and some things I think they're like, what the hell's going on here, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, one of the things that was really interesting when my mom one of the times that my mom first started coming, uh, my mom and dad first started living with us, is she noticed that when the kids would come home from school, I would have a snack ready for them, and then they would run off and start their homework, and then I would, you know. I, I would have maybe prepped dinner already, and I was starting to finish off the dinner, and then I'd do dinner, and then we. So I'd clean up from the snack, then I'd make the dinner, then we'd have dinner, clean up from the snack, and my mom was like,
1: "What are you doing?
0: What is going on here? This is not efficient." She's like, "Can't you tell that these kids are starving when they come home, and so you're giving them a snack? They're not satisfied, and you're you're giving them the snack, then you're cleaning up from the snack." Then you're going to have to make dinner again. He's like, just have dinner ready when they come home. Yes. Just feed them the second they come home their dinner and you're done for that. If they need, if, if the teenage boy is still a little bit hungry, then he can make a,
1: a piece of toast or a later and have something before he goes to have, bed. If he's still exactly.
0: You know, those, those, Listen, those two that, it changed our lives. It, it changed our life. It did.
1: It was it was like it went the, the night went smoother. Oh, it was simpler. I'm like, they were happier. I'm like
0: I I went to I, I got a master's and I couldn't figure that out. Like, yeah. but you know what? That is the wisdom that comes from intergenerational living. And you know, maybe your parents don't live with you all the time, but have them come and spend a, a stretch of time. It's interesting to have someone that you love, take a look at what you're doing and 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 offer some honest observations. Now, sometimes it's hard to hear those things um, as a parent, and I've been there before.
1: And sometimes we disagree with the recommendations that were given. A hundred percent, you have that right. But but there's, been, there's a lot of good ones that come with it too. So I
0: I, uh, I agree with that. that. Now, now here's a, a here's on the parenting question. I'm not going to make you answer this one first because this one came in. And I didn't share it with you. Um, but I've thought about this answer. Somebody asked, "Do you?" This is a really crazy question. I can't believe someone asked it, but. Do you have a favorite
1: child? So that's coming to me. You said you were going to answer it first. Do you to
0: answer Yeah, you can go to first. But
1: then you just did put me on the spot. Okay, so you can you, go first. Do you want to answer it first? Yes. Listen, the answer, of course, is no, I don't have a favorite child. Right. Um, I, I like little different things about all of them. Mm-hmm. Now, with saying that, if you ask all the kids in the family, they'll say our oldest yeah. daughter is my favorite And I think that's we all
0: say that Evita is Sean's favorite.
1: Yeah, I I love I love them all. Um, and and listen, there's there's a special affinity that you have with your first one, but I listen, I love them all, and they're all very unique and very special. I think I navigate Evita sometimes better than you do. When we yeah,
0: because we're probably so similar that we 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 can clash at times. We actually have her and I have this. Um, I mean, when we're vibing, it's like we are on the same same wavelength i think she's like a smarter prettier more interesting version of me and i it couldn't make me prouder like i just am sometimes just in awe of the way she thinks through things her work ethic i think about where i was at her age um she works hard i was playing you know i was on the real world you know doing all kinds of crazy stuff and and not not at all as centered and smart as she was and I'm always really impressed with with the way she works. But some sometimes when we clash, we clash hard because we're very similar. Um and then and then Sean swoops swoop in, in and 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 helps us to navigate that. Um she's also got that Irish stubborn streak. So there's an there's a lot of Irish in a little that liar. little
1: Latina. A little harsh.
0: And it's hard. It's hard sometimes for, but, but it was, for but, Latina but, moms but, like me. She, she's, she's actually, she is more Irish than she is. Latina but what, what, what
1: you will find, which I think is just like they came from the same two people, the same genetics in the same home, and are all wildly different. And there's really wonderful things about all of them. Um, and they're all listen. They're all as any parents. They're all very special and a lot and a, and a lot of fun.
0: So I'm you? gonna I'm gonna answer the question. Do you have a favorite child? So first of all. We've always had this onesie that says um current family favorite. So usually the baby <laughs> is the current family favorite. And so when when Margarita was the baby, she was everyone's favorite. When Patrick was the baby, he was the favorite. Valentina is like a favorite right now for everybody. I mean, if you if you asked and poll took a poll among the nine eight children and Shauna, everyone would probably vote for Valentina. She's an absolutely lovable, delightful can never make you mad. Um, Amazing child or something. And and this has been really the lesson for our family about, about special needs and about the fact that by the way, 90% of all children diagnosed with Down syndrome, we should say are exterminated. We have eugenics. It's alive and well in America. And probably the, the, the group most targeted are the disabled. And so that would be valentina um and so it's been interesting to see what joy how she's changed the dynamics of our house how everyone adjusts in some way which i think is a one of the most wonderful i mean there's worse than um the worst traits a single child can have and it's one of the reasons why it's best not to have an only child is that people in bigger families have to learn to adjust and be flexible and care about other people's despair,
1: needs. To share, to fire, to forgive, to do that, all those things.
0: And you know, once you have two, three kids, it's going to happen. But it happens on a different level when you have a child with special needs, whether it's autism or, um, or Down's or cerebral palsy. When you want, when a family is on a daily basis confronted with the limitations. Of somebody they love as much as themselves or more. Um, it is absolutely family altering, beautiful thing. And we have literally exterminated from our population so many beautiful opportunities for our own country to grow in this, in, in compassion and love and service um, by doing that. Now, I'm going to answer the question for you, Sean. The answer is, I love them all alike. I love them all equally at different stages. If I'm really honest, I like some of them more at different stages than others, right? So, you know, I love little kids. I'm obsessed with little kids. And so do I like being around the little kids at times more? I like them more, they're more fun and in this way. Then they go through these difficult phases where they can be mean and very critical of me and very combative. And so do I like them as much at that point? I love them all the same as much as I have ever loved them since the moment I held them. But do I like hanging out with, um, you know, emotionally hormonal, um, angry, feisty young girls, young girls sometimes? No, I don't. Or boys. So what I find uh,
1: interesting is Rachel you know
0: saying. And then, but what I have found is the older they get, the, that like comes around. So what I have found, Sean, is that the beauty of having nine children is that somebody always likes me <laughs> at some point. <laughs> they don't all like me at the same time. And I don't always like them, but there's always someone who I can gravitate towards. Does that make sense?
1: That does make sense. Yes. Um, I would just also say that you have a little running joke with them. You'll at almost the same time, tell each of them, you'll whisper to them, you're my favorite. Yeah. And don't tell anybody. Yeah. And then they all tell each other The mom said that I'm her favorite. And they're like, Sweet no, she told me I was her favorite.
0: <laughs> I do and say that, that I'm like,
1: that, You don't tell
0: me you're my favorite. But yeah. I do it to all of them. Right.
1: So then they all then they all tell them like, well, she said the same thing to me. And then they all will fight. We'll have more of this conversation after this.
2: Don't let your hard earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not dot com. That is KitchenGold.net and protect your wealth. All right, do we have any more questions coming in?
0: Because everyone's talking about the debate. And we don't know yet if Donald Trump is gonna be in the debate. He's sort of as as normal, you know, as he you know, as he normally does. He's toying with everybody, trolling everybody saying he might, saying he won't, saying he's going to not do it, but watch to see which one he might like for his vice president.
1: It's a vice presidential debate. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's turned
0: it into the vice presidential debate on Fox. So I mean, He's just so funny. Um, but the question was, if you were a debate monitor, and neither Sean or I are have been chosen by Fox to do that, um what would you be asking President Trump so Sean, or I mean uh, uh, the the candidates yeah. it, 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 assuming let's assume Trump yeah. is there and everybody's there
1: So I think if if you're going to make your government work you have to get rid of the deep state right and not just the deep state whether it's the Department of Education and Homeland Security you have to I'm not saying like eradicate them but they're not working right now and I've always said we should get rid of the union so you can fire people who don't want to do the will of the elected president I think more specifically, what are you going to do about the FBI, the Department of Justice, the CIA, the intelligence apparatus, the law enforcement apparatus has been weaponized against conservatives or social conservatives? And I think that is the biggest question. You don't have a freedom democratic society if you have a, a law enforcement national that's going to use that force and power against one party in favor of another. And that's what's happening right now. And if we don't have a president who's thinking through how they're going to fix it, and by the way, it will not be easy. They will go kicking and screaming when you root them out. They don't they will They will leak and they will demonize and they will attack you. They will attack but you. But they did in his first and you, Trump's first will. term. So it will be very hard. But I want to know what you're going to do. And I want to analyze whether they have the grit to actually get it done, because we cannot continue like this.
0: So next week, we're going to have an amazing guest called. Um, his name is Lee Smith. Uh, to comment on what a lot of people have been reading, have read this um, this Obama biography that came out, you know, years ago, but it has sort of resurfaced, and there's this new interest in it. And um, and I really encourage everyone next week to tune in to this interview. It's it's really a fascinating interview with 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 Lee Smith, but he would say that it's not the deep state so much as that we have. Since 2016 Been living with a shadow government That Obama never left town And that maybe it's not like I mean it's not that you just get rid of the deep state But that the deep state Is being controlled by somebody Um, And he makes the case And I again encourage everyone to listen to him Lay this out in depth But that that deep state Is being led by a shadow government Which is being led by Obama who is still directing forces? He was doing, he kind of set things into motion with Russia hoax, which infected and changed not just Trump's presidency, but obviously impacted um, the election. Um, he controlled that information as well through the Hunter Biden laptop situation. And he's now continued because he's, he's the only president who's never left Washington, D.C. He continues to control that deep state you're talking about. So, is it that? A new president comes in and simply has to, you know, root out all the corruption out of the FBI and the DOJ and the CIA um, and and Department of Homeland Security. Or is it really about once and for all exposing, deposing Barack Obama? How much of what we're living through right now, what, what we call the deep state, is really the machinations of Barack Obama, Sean? So
1: Barack Obama has power because people in power will listen to him. People in the deep state will listen to him, take his advice, take his strategy. Well, if I take the people in government who love and listen to Barack Obama and I put new people in that don't give a damn about Barack Obama, they're not going to listen to him. All of a sudden, Barack Obama doesn't have any power, has no business being in D.C., and maybe is going to go back to Hawaii or to one of his other homes, you know, on on, on a beachfront somewhere or some billionaire's yacht. So, um, yeah, this is this is this is not a problem if my solution actually is implemented because we won't have those people who will who who are pathological, who are have had their minds warped. They're gone. They found a job somewhere else. And I brought in I brought in fresh new blood. Who again, I don't I don't want to do to them what they've done to us. I actually want to go back to the way it was. I want a fair and just system looking out for America and America's best interests. Partisanship comes into play nowhere. Sometimes
0: we have um, guests on who say something that completely changes the way I think about the world. And we've had some of those guests on over the years. And Lee Smith is one, who did that by explaining something that seems so logical. And yet we don't really talk about it enough or express it enough, but leaders matter and leaders end up mere, like your country ends up mirroring the leader you have. So in the case of Barack Obama, um, that book that we talked about, was so, it really exposes the pathologies that he had. What, a, what an odd person he is. This liberal biographer ends up coming out of studying Barack Obama's life for years and comes out saying, this is not a normal person. And so is it any surprise that our country doesn't look normal to us anymore when since basically 2008, it's been run by Barack Obama to now? No wonder it's so dysfunctional. Because Barack Obama is so dysfunctional, and so what? That the lesson to me is that we need leaders who have a vision for America that we also share, and that we want to share. uh, That we want our country to look like. And so that that is an interesting um, addendum, I think, to your deep state question. Um, I think you're right; it's the deep state, and I think leadership matters. I think the question I would ask is to each of them what they would do to i guess break up the cartel that i now I, again through covid have come to see them as a cartel big big uh ph- like big pharma big food big agriculture i feel like all of them work to poison american bodies children adults and so, like, you have big food making people fatter and sicker, and then you have big pharma coming in and, and and providing all the the profit-making, you know, solutions to the health issues. And I think health really matters for our country. We spend, Sean, I mean, you would know better than I in Congress, um, in the budgets that you've looked at, how much money is spent on health care and, and sort of providing, you know, medical remedies to things that could have been resolved if people had better food nutrition um health uh, uh lifestyles etc
1: yeah well, we have uh, medicare medicaid um we give grants for scientific study and then we have food stamps um so we pay for a lot of food and we pay for a lot of health care through the federal government um i, I guess and i when we finish this topic i have one more kind of in line with sure. with where you're at which is um I think science, after COVID, I saw this as well, science has become so political. Yes. I don't think it used to be political. And if you look at all the changes that are being made, all the rules and regulations under the auspices of climate change, and as they'll say, the science is settled, the climate is Roman, and man has done it, and it's an existential threat, and we have to do all these radical things. Well, I would go, you know what, if I'm the president, I want to make sure that if we are going to give one dollar to anyone studying the climate that the science is legit this uh, there's there's no there's no predetermined answer to the to the studies that you're going to do because today if you come out with a study that says maybe the climate isn't warming maybe it's actually cooling since the 1990s and maybe it's not made from man if you come up with a study like that you will never be funded if again. if you
0: propose that study you're not going to get the funding
1: so there's a problem in science. And I go, I, listen, I actually want to know what's actually happening. And I want to believe the scientists that come out with the data. And today it's all, it's all political. Because if they can convince us all that the, the climate is warming and it's man-made and the o- oceans are going to boil, then they can control me. They can impose rules and regulations on me. They can control my life, which is what they want to do, yeah. based on what I very well think is a lie. So, you
0: know, Sean, it, it's such a great point. And it's not just that it's it's the studies that aren't done. Like, just think about in COVID as we were masking little toddlers. Um, I mean, really talk about talk about Chinese torture. I mean, this was like horrible what they were doing. And there was no study on whether it was effective. In the end, Dr. McCary through private, you know, his own university at, uh, at uh, uh, John Hopkins had to do the study. That the NIH did not want to do because they wanted everyone in masks because then it would scare them because then they take the vaccine and they could push that that further. I think what I what I've learned through COVID is that it's actually not new. I look at what's all the studies that have been influenced by big food. So, like, you know, you know, you always hear like oatmeal is good, oatmeal's bad, coffee's good, coffee's bad. A lot of this, these studies that we see about even cholesterol and things like that. There are there are are the research money is coming from pharmaceutical companies, so of course they're influencing all this and then, as people move from from being health bureaucrats right they're in the health uh you know uh n i h or whatever the c d c and our government, they want to make nice with these pharma companies and with these big ag and big and big food corporations because they're going to transition from these government jobs. To those jobs and make more money. And so I I look at all this and I I I just think that we have we were way too trusting in the past about any of these studies. And it's to the point where when I hear something come out of the CDC or the NIH, I almost want just want to do the opposite because I have no idea what their incentives are, who's funding what. There should be no corporate money in government studies because the government these studies should be for the people. They should not be influenced by these outside sources. And so back to the original question, I want to know what they're going to do to take, as you said, the politics, but also the profit motives of corporations out of medicine and health. And I'm telling you, our food supply, our seeds, genetically modified food, all of this stuff is making people sicker and fatter. And we're not talking about getting back to, you know, sustainable food that actually makes us healthy. So
1: listen, I I want health care providers to make money. I want pharma to make money. But I want them to do it honestly. I I yes. want them to do to to develop drugs that make people healthier that actually work. Not drugs that might work for one thing, but make you really, really sick on 10 other things.
0: And then they've all, and, by the way, set up a bunch of other drugs to deal with the side effects of the drugs right. they gave so,
1: you. Um, and, I, and again, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily happening now. And so what, what we've seen through COVID, what we've seen through the presidency of Joe Biden is the corruption and rot that we have inside of our government um, and how we're lied to consistently Um, And again, I, I do think it keeps coming back to they're trying to fundamentally change this country. There's a revolution upon us and they have to brainwash us and lie to us to get us to buy into that revolution. And I think the next president, going back to the debate, if you're not thinking about it and you can't answer that question on the stage, you don't deserve to be president. You deserve the vote because this is one of the most serious things that faces the American people. And if you're not thinking about that, what the hell are you thinking about?
0: You know, Sean, you're from Wisconsin. You grew up around little farms. Little farms. I mean, I remember growing up hearing John Cougar Mellencamp and songs and and and, and fundraisers for, for farmers and how farmers were. Farmers have never been in small farms, family farms, um, not factory farms. Uh, corporate farms have never been in more danger of being annihilated, uh, bankrupted than they are right now. If you were in Congress now, how important would the issue of small? Because uh, by the way, Sean talks about wanting to buy a farm because um, he's worried about the food supply and about and about you know having having access to food for you know healthier food. So talk, I know this is kind of a little off subject, but it's just
1: so farmers. So farmers are like banks, right? If you have only a few big banks, those big banks become partners of the government, and they work together to the, control you. To, well, the, the 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 banks are going to make a lot of money. And the government's able to get the banks to do what they want for the guarantee that they get this monopoly, monopoly to make a lot of cash, right? If you have a lot of small little banks around the country, you can't control all of them. I love small community banks. That's sure. By
0: the way, you're hearing the... The chairman of the, listen, <laughs> he was on financial services, listen, and I, I it couldn't agree true. with you more. I love small it banks is the, too. It is the
1: heartbeat of every community having a small little bank there that knows their community, that funds their community. Be careful and
0: how many times you say community, because Kamala know, got in trouble for that. I know. Community banks
1: are in the community.
0: Are in the community. <laughs> I know. But Sean is truly has been. You have been championing and, small and banks. So what's happened before is, Kamala? Many years before.
1: It's similar. The rules and regulations that our government has imposed on small banks yeah. have put many of them out of business or made a lot of them merge and consolidate to become bigger um and more centralized same thing with farms i want a whole bunch of little family farms because yeah. you can't then control them you have a family maybe you have you know 40 cows 80 cows on your farm and and you have a hundred and twenty acres, you know that that, that you plant. Um, that's what you want. If you consolidate all those small farms into just a few big corporate farms, way way easier for the government to control those big corporate farms, get them to do what they want. And, um, and
0: the food's not as good, Sean. I'm sorry. The, the I mean, if you've gotten food, we we have we were once part of a farm co-op
1: csa yeah whatever that was called yeah got a box of food in the summer every like every week Yeah, you had just to-
0: had to make whatever came in the box and it was yeah. kind of forced you to to get live dirt seasonally. on it just
1: picked that morning it was it, great it was amazing to clean it off like you were in your own garden
0: we're, we were such hippies i, know. I want to go we're, back to that we
1: crunchy conservatives you always
0: have it. been crunchy conservatives so sean what can the government do to what are they doing right now that's accelerating this consolidation and what can they do to make sure we have small farms Also,
1: when if you if you if you went through your oil and gas policy make fertilizer more expensive if you're going to force them to trade in their old tractor and go electric um if there's now issues with the cost of the seeds that have been genetically modified um the cost of seed has gone up so the cost of everything has gone up and it's pinching the small family farm it's making it harder for them to make a profit to then stay in business. We're now seeing in European countries where they're asking farmers to kill their animals, 20% of their animals under the auspices of meeting climate goals. You're seeing a real. In Ireland that's
0: happening right now. They're saying they're going to family farms and saying, you have to kill 20% of your cows because you have too many cows for for, for that. And that's not good for the climate. You saw what's happening in the Netherlands, how they're basically forcing them off. I mean, there is a war on farmers and it's coming here do you think this is intentional what this the because what's interesting is what you're saying is inflation the inflation that's happening mostly through energy pro- and i i think you're right about that
1: joe joe biden caused inflation
0: yep he the, exactly so the the energy policies and, the, and and other policies that are driving inflation are hurting small farmers in a way that, as well as the
1: rules and regulations like and, There's runoff and regulations and re- there's you know all these regulations on what they can put in the fields and some regulations are good some rules are really good they inundate these farmers with all these rules and regulations i want them i want them decentralized i want my food supply diverse from a whole different you know group of you know farmers or farm communities that grow and and make money off of um their yearly work by by planting or harvesting or or uh raising sheep or 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 cows and and again
0: besides I, a good economy, is there anything else government can do?
1: get out of the way leave them alone right yes. they're 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 regulating them out of business is the problem. And again, if you're a bigger bank or you're a bigger farm, you can navigate the rules and regulations. You can you can structure your way through government. If you're small, you don't have the resources to navigate government. Um, small banks, small farms, they can't navigate it. And so the small farm will sell out to the big farm. It's like, listen, we'll take the money. Let's go to, some, yes, the farm's been in our family for four generations, but let's, Let's trade it in because we can't farm anymore in this environment. It's too um, hard. It's too stressful. And by the way, the problem is if you uh, there there's, there is an attack on our food supply. A hundred percent. And if if there's less food, all of a sudden, government's going to step in and control who gets food when. There could be rationing. They've actually on the under the auspices of climate change, they've actually some liberals have said maybe we should ration food. People should. Only have certain rations that um, yeah, one of the things they want to
0: do, by the way, Sean, is they want to somehow digitize like the food that in, in the like in freeze, like if you go to get meat at the grocery store, it's sort of like digit. They're going to start to digitize things so that they can keep track of how much meat did your did you have? This week. Um, and so they're working on systems like that. They want us to eat bugs. You know, when we first, you and I, were one of the, you know, very early on, we're talking about the bugs. This is a real thing. They are investing lots of money on how can we make bugs become part of the American diet. Now, they've been doing experiments. Um, th- I mean, imagine how cruel. I mean, like like the Bill Gates Foundation hasn't done enough with their damn vaccines in Africa and and using the world's most desperate, poor people to experiment. And we know that that's happened um, and now. They took some, you know, small community of children, you know, in some in these villages and they're mon- giving them bugs to eat. And I'm like, these kids aren't new nutri- are getting enough nutrition. They need eggs and meat and milk and and whatever else they eat in their in their natural diet. Why are we allowing this weirdo Bill Gates to experiment on African kids with 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 bugs? then they started introducing the bugs in um in in England on the public school menus now so like there's just weird stuff happening that it's it's not so a just, conspiracy theory uh,
1: so just, it's not a conspiracy theory so um there's the the world economic forum the wef that really cares about climate change which is why all these billionaires fly in their private jets to davos to have this conference <laughs> um and politicians there's a program called the c40 and it's about You know, basically woke cities that want to come together to address the threats of climate change. That's what the C40 is. Yep. And it seems pretty benign. Oh, great cities. They want to fight climate change. Well, if you look at what they're agreeing to do by 2030, so seven years away from now, they're going to have zero meat consumption. Are
0: there American companies that are in C40? I'm going to get to that.
1: So so zero meat consumption, zero uh, eggs, milk, butter, zero dairy, zero dairy. There goes Wisconsin. Everyone will have only three new up uh, clothing items per year. You'll only travel once every three years for fifteen hundred kilometers. Right. So this is oh, by the way, and you won't own a car. Public transportation only,
0: and you'll be happy.
1: And so this is crazy, right? And as I tell you this, you're like, well, that'll that'll never happen. Well, listen, fifteen years ago, I would say you will never. Have a country say we should transition 13-year-old little girls to little boys or little boys to little girls. We'll never have men showering with women in high school and college. Those things would have never happened, but they are happening. And so you have cities in the U.S. who have signed on from New York to Boston, Miami, New Orleans, Houston. The
0: mayor of Miami signed on?
1: Well, I don't know if it was it might be the Miami-Dade. So it may not be the. I got to like find out. That,
0: that will, that,
1: I'm not that sure if your
0: question, Francis the- Suarez, Francis if, he,
1: if he signed on big trouble. But then, you know, the liberal studies like Seattle and Portland and and, and those have have come on board for this. So they put these in this radical agenda that's going to take away your freedom. And if you can't have milk, um, eggs, butter, you can't have dairy and you can't and have meat. meat your point is they're going to leave you to eat bugs. And again, this- as you mentioned, I'm from Wisconsin, wildly offensive. I like milk. I like butter. I like cheese, <laughs> and I like a steak. Uh, I like a hamburger. So it's um, country
0: we love our, they, they love be by the way, Sean, they're also Bill Gates investing lots of money in this synthetic meat. um, so so another sign that this is the real deal. um, and one last point to make, Sean, as some of these farmers, as you say, try to, you know, are so stressed out and have to sell their, their property. These these shadow um, entities will come through that look like American companies and they end up buying the fa- all these little farms that are struggling. Turns out these are um, actually corporations that are owned by the Chinese government. And so Chinese buying many of our little farms up um, and uh, often these farmers don't know. That they're selling to the
1: Chinese. I look in the 80s, had the Russians been trying to buy our land, the, huh. the Reagan administration would have lost their mind. The American people the American government was smart. We had smart people in there that cared about were their really country. Smart. We had patriotic people. And yeah, that's right. They were patriotic and they were smart. And today they're just stupid. They're letting all of this stuff. Hate happen America. And and t- trading in our freedom um with stupid policies for, for what purpose? Again, that the Chinese can come in and buy. Our land, our farmland, that the Chinese can steal our technology and we don't do anything about it. We just let them steal two hundred to four hundred billion dollars a year of technology from America. You can send a spy balloon over our country and spy on our on our missile bases. And we have a, part of a spy that doesn't do. I uh,
0: uh, uh, thing in, 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 in Cuba set up a spy it's
1: my base. My base. Yeah, it's yeah, called it what it is. So, uh, this is.
0: Let me just one last thing before we go, Sean. When I first married you, I was living out in uh, in Beverly Hills, and um, I was auditioning and working out in L.A. Lived in Beverly Hills with all my friends, and then we got married, and I moved to Wisconsin to your little town of two thousand people in Hayward, Wisconsin. Did you ever think that these words would come out of my mouth? Sean Duffy, buy me a farm.
1: No. And if you say buy me a farm in Wisconsin, that's even better. Uh, <laughs> but listen, I was I, thinking but, about
0: a farm in a slightly warmer place. I love but, my cabin there in the summer, but I want a, but, a warmer. But people,
1: farm. Are, people people see what's happening. I want a, farm. There's, I want a farm. there's a gut feeling that people have things are wrong and they want to learn how to care for themselves, how to take care of themselves. Uh, and that's why they're Bitcoin, they're gold, they're silver, they're getting a farm and a cow and some chickens. It's crazy, but a lot of people are doing it because something doesn't feel right. Yeah. And um, I'm with you. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do, a, you know, podcast from the, from the, from the, maybe it will from be the farm from the, table, from the farm table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down uh, with
0: that. I'm down with right. that. All right. Well, it's been a good conversation. Thanks for Lots the questions. Yeah, we
1: we actually we had a couple more that we didn't well, get because we'll catch them
0: we, up next week because we kind of we were kind of talking long here.
1: We talked long. It was but it was a good conversation. Listen, thank you guys all for joining us at the kitchen table. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe. Wherever you get your podcast, we would say please subscribe. You get a notice whenever our podcasts come out. We come out on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It's Q&A on Friday like we're doing right now. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.